Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode, we're dirty liars about our intro. Because, John, there is a, precisely one thing that we are qualified to talk about. And this episode, we're going to dive into it. Is, is it a uh, budget? you damn right it is. It is gaming on a budget. Because let me tell y'all, for a vast majority of our gaming career, we were on a tight, tight, tight budget because we were, how does one say, broke is a joke? We're poor as fuck. God, turbo poor. (laughs) Turbo poor. Let's not mince words. Um, I started when I was a broke college student, still in college, working like two jobs. To try to get by. And uh, John, you started when you were real, real young, right? So Yeah, I started when I was very young. And uh, I didn't actually get to play the game game until I was an adult. But I got to, you know, play smaller games with like some models other people had. And read a lot of the books and the lore that I could find secondhand at stores. And then even as an adult, you know, I spent my early adult years working in warehouses. Which I still do, but, you know. When you just get out in the world, you, you you things cost a lot of money. So spending a bunch of money on plastic army men isn't the easiest thing to do. So you learn how to do it with budget. Yeah. The same. So you can still have fun with the game you want to play without, you know, the feeling so constricted with you know only pulling in a little amount of money every month. Yeah. I mean, for most of the time I was gaming, uh it was similar. I mean, I was when I was in college, I mean in America, almost all college students are broke. Don't ask me why that's how it is, uh, but it is. So I'll, while working, a lot of my money went to school. So there wasn't a whole lot left over to do the hobby, unfortunately. Um, and then even when you I got out of school, your entry-level jobs don't pay a whole lot. So there still wasn't a whole lot of money. Uh, to go towards hobby. It wasn't until more recently that I had a a little bit more uh, la- lateral movement in my hobby funds. But uh, for most of it, you just had to get creative on how to make your dollars go further. And through and that, we've had some experience. And to address something at the beginning of this episode, I know uh, there are some folks who say, well, then you just shouldn't play this hobby if you don't have money. And uh, I want to tackle that on right now. If that's what you're thinking, that's a very poor way of looking at it. If you are somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, which I think a lot of people have to be at least somewhat conscientious about how they spend their hobby dollar. Mm -hmm. It is important to have hobbies. It is important to have things you do and enjoy. And if that is building and painting and playing with miniatures... We would like to help you find budget ways that you might not know of. If you think that people don't deserve to play this game with you because they don't bring home enough money, that's a problem. You're kind of a turd. Yes. Maybe you should work on that. There are plenty of other hobbies that cost more, if not the same. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I could tell you some of the other hobbies that I know people get into are way more expensive. 
cars. Oh, dear God. Guns. Yeah, God, that too. Golf. Uh, I don't have many people who are into golf, but uh, being in Kentucky, I know many of people who are into cars and guns. Jesus. That's turbo expensive. Um, Yes, so... This is a rather cheap hobby compared to those. And, you know, if you're on a budget, you can make it work here. And you ain't got to feel guilty about it. You just got to be honest with how much money you have to put towards it and walk in with a plan. And don't worry, we'll help you make what you do have go further. But first, hobby time and games played. Alright, John. So, this is the final week that Hobby Progress and Games Play is going to be a little weird, ain't it? Yeah. So, John, why is it a little weird? Um, well, it's a little weird because we're dealing with life stuff. Oh, uh, God, so much life stuff. Well, we'll include in today's you know episode of you know, playing on a budget. Life stuff gets in the way of the hobby sometimes. But we don't just hobby, as in building and painting and playing with little plastic army men. We also make this show for you guys every week. Mm-hmm. But with life stuff coming, hurling at us very quickly, we're going to need some weeks off. Uh, namely, Joe and I are both moving into ho- houses, and our editor, Seth, will be moving into a much bigger space. So we're all moving at roughly the same time in the same month, and it's uh, poorly planned out. <laughs> I mean, we did get to choose when the house is closed, but uh, we... Yeah, we all kind of got together and went, what's September schedule looking out? And the answer was, bad. It's looking bad. <laughs> so, we, so we need a little time to be able to step away from the podcast. And I don't mean not getting episodes, because obviously you're listening to this episode right now. But rather, a little bit of time that we can pre-record episodes and upload them for you. But there's a problem yeah. with hobby progresses in doing that. Because normal episodes, you can record as early as you like and they sit in a drive somewhere ready to go but the hobby progresses they're kind of recent you know if they were out of order some of the stuff we were saying wouldn't make much sense so we normally record them the week of but as with john saying that's not going to be possible so over the past few weeks we've been a little creative um we had a game day with our friend Tanner for his birthday where we played Warhammer all day with an evolving narrative that happened across the three games. And we've been breaking them down in our individual hobby uh, hobby time piece segments. And for people who listen to the other two, this is repeat. I apologize. Um, and we've been using that to kind of talk about what we did for that day as an example of building a narrative across the day and just to talk about some super fun games that we had. And... Uh, This is going to be the finale to that story. So if you do want to hear about the first two games, go back to the last two episodes. Uh, They're in there. And uh, let me tell you, this last one is spicy. (laughs) Very spicy. So John, generally speaking, what was the narrative of the day? So that we could catch people up who maybe didn't listen to the others. So I'm going to try to say this as quickly as possible, right? Two separate war bands of orcs walked into a forest. They got clapped. Cheeks shattered by a bunch of trees. Mm-hmm. Two separate occasions. It's like that scene from uh, Evil Dead. Is bad. Yes. Oh, oh, God. Whoa, well, no, no, no. Not yes, no. Bad. Uh, <laughs> you said yes on instinct. <laughs> no. Uh, the 
other hand is that chaos also came into the forest and they're here to just cause mayhem. Like they're just here to cause problems and maybe get some stuff while they're doing it. Maybe take a grove if they can. Yeah, that's in Skaven and Slanesh. And now they have teamed up because they have won their perspective fights and have pushed the orcs back towards the forest. Now these orcs are stuck between a rock and a hard place or a tree and a chaos warband. So <laughs> that's where we're at in game three. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we had played uh, four games collectively earlier throughout the day. Uh, each of us played one before lunch and then we played one after lunch but before dinner but after dinner we were kind of talking about the narrative and what had happened and really it was kind of an orc centric narrative because you know tanner it was his birthday he was playing iron jaws corwin was also playing iron jaws there was a great story there so we were kind of building it around them and the iron jaws orcs are just fun to make stories around they are they're just delightful and uh the orcs had had a rough day (laughs) um just absolutely, uh, Corwin's warband got crushed by the Tree Lord Ancient. Uh, get uh, the what's his name? Guy on Maw Crusher named character. Godrak? Yeah, Gordrak, Fist of Gork. First got s- stabbed through the chest by a spirit of Durthu, and then while he was running, got uh, destroyed by a Keeper of Secrets. A suplex by a keeper of secrets, let's be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was bad. Um, so he fled entirely. And that meant the rest of the orcs were running as fast as possible towards this realm gate. And we thought, well, we kind of had all the all the armies involved. And at this point, the orcs are really trying to run away from all of them. I mean, they don't want to be near the Skaven and their deadly bing-bong. And they don't want to be near Slanesh in the bad touch. And they really don't want to be near the trees. Because they're terrified of them. So what if we played a game with all of the armies represented? And uh, maybe we... It was because we were at dinner and we were eating. We were feeling good. And, uh, you know, we were a little lost in the sauce of gaming and fun. But uh, somebody, and I don't remember who, said... What if we each brought 2,000 points to this game? And then yep. somebody else said, well, what if we kind of teamed up? Like, we had Chaos versus Orcs, and, uh, like, John brought 2,000 points of Skaven with 2,000 points of Slanesh, and each Iron Jaws player brought 2,000 points on their own team-up team. Uh, and then I pointed out, hey, like, I could bring 2,000 points of Sylvaneth, um, it de- you know, it kind of depends on how big of a role you want me to have in the game. And John said, I want big roll, so you bring 3,000 points of Sylvaneth. <laughs> and uh, we covered the board in Sylvaneth Wildwoods so that they were everywhere and all of them could be used as Wildwoods. And uh, we ended up having a colossal game that all together had 11,000 points on the board. 11,000. And... Uh, yes. It was incredible. We combined two tables together so that we would have more room uh, to spread out. And essentially, uh, since I had won both of my games, I was really acting as kind of like an environmental hazard for this big fight between orcs and chaos. 
as Orcs and Chaos were now both trying to get to the realm gate at the very center of the table. Um, Chaos to own it and try to corrupt it. Orcs to try to get the hell out of Dodge. And the trees essentially were environmental effects coming onto the table to try to push people out of their realm and like think of like driving sheep. Once they're running in a direction, you're just trying to poke them to keep them going where you want. So the trees yeah. were popping up at different corners of the table, harrying different flanks, trying to keep everyone moving. And with the ability for the the tree, like the Sylvaneth, to come out of trees in like pockets. We were able to make this really cool, like, guerrilla warfare kind of effect to the game, where there wasn't a clear deployment for the Sylvaneth. They just played at, like, the end of the game, end of the turn, for end of each round, and they would just pop out of trees in, like, small bubbles and start fighting, so, like, Slanesh over here, Skaven over here, Orcs over there. Like, it was mayhem. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolute mayhem. And it took an already chaotic game and made it even more chaotic, which was exactly what we wanted. Uh, in fact, the first time I dropped uh, some stuff on the field, our bud Corwin genuinely went, oh, dear God, I forgot about that, and was shocked and nervous because trees popped up at his back line. And uh, that's so cool. And also, because of the narrative, we did a couple of things. One, neither of the orc players brought Gordrak because he had, you know, fled the day. Um they both did bring uh, mega bosses on Maw Crusher, but their own named war bosses rather than Gordrak, which actually worked out in their favor because they could give them artifacts and they're tougher. Um, so that was a thing. And also, because the trees had been really roused to wrath and won two games in a row, I brought Alariel, the goddess of life, to the table. You she... also brought Drycha. Yes, I did bring Drycha Hammerdreth. Uh, when Alariel, you know heard what was happening through the spirit song she showed up and she put out the call for Drycha to appear and Drycha did so it was a slobber knocker of a, of uh forces um so the thing is it was a great idea i still love it however fantastic idea we might have started a touch late we probably should have started this earlier in the day on a Saturday and not gone. You know what would be great? 11,000 point game and like four energy drinks a person. <laughs> like we're all day shift like older people now. Let's stay up till almost 5 a.m. playing Warhammer. I don't think we calculated how long it would take, but let me put it this way. We started deployment at like 930 and we did the back and forth rules. We didn't finish deployment until 11 p.m. We were also talking a bunch, like because we were at that point where we were jabber drawing. Yeah, we were having a good time. It was very, very fun. Much so, <laughs> but it was not fast. And to be honest, we probably should have just went like, "Y'all deploy everything. You two deploy everything. Let's go." Yeah, we could have just like on. Um, let's just slap each other in the face a whole bunch. But instead, we decided to try to do this part the way it's supposed to be done when we threw all the other rules out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not our greatest idea. Um, and then the battle began, and uh, both of the armies were kind of speedy, so combat happened pretty much instantly. Um, and turn one, orcs came out pretty far, and then Slanesh got into the orcs on every flank, the Skaven started swarming towards the middle with a bajillion clan rats and the screaming and shooting bell. so many guns. So many guns. 
everything from storm fiends to uh, a couple of warp lightning catapults. Uh, the bell was doing bing bongs the entire way. It was anarchy. Uh, the orcs, of course, counterattacked as hard as they could. Many, many deaths ensued. And then uh, end of turn one, the Sylvaneth came on, and that added a whole new level of chaos. Of Like on the right flank, Drycha popped up and started doing anti-horde spells and just obliterated a full unit of clan rats. Uh, up north, uh, Spirit of Durthu dropped in with some Kurnoth and made some of the Iron Jaws poop their pants. Uh, on the other flanks, Tree Lord Ancient and Kurnoths dropped in to act as a terrible black line threat. And then on the hard flank of the Skaven, Alariel dropped with some Kurnoths with bows and summoned a Tree Lord all in one little corner and started threatening everything. Uh, and then she started turning heroes to trees, which yeah, was I, awesome. I, I didn't know that uh, Ariel could do that. And Ariel or yeah, Alariel. Uh yeah, when she popped up and was just like, "Hey, that doom wheel tree now," and I went, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" Yeah, she popped it, and there was a uh, a Slanesh chariot that was on like five wounds, and uh, she looked at it and rolled her damage, and she did like seven mortal wounds, so it instantly died. And it says if you kill like the model, the unit, uh, replace that unit with a uh, Sylvaneth Wildwood. So she pops up, she screams, and morphs this chariot to a big, I don't know, pierced, boob-covered tree, because it is Slanesh. Um, and now, like, in amongst the Slanesh followers, one of them has become a tree. Uh, it was awesome. Many of spells go off. Terror ensues. Uh, and every faction is then threatened by the Sylvaneth, and, uh... It became chaotic. Uh, turn two. Uh, I think the response was actually kind of good. The Skaven essentially went, oh God, and turned every gun on a Lariel that they had. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, it was an impressive array of shots. Good Lord. You had like a billion dice, John. I rolled so many dice for all of my Scryer War Machines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many. And you actually did a fair amount of damage, even through her saves and stuff. Um, orcs got in deeper. Some went back to attack the trees, which might have actually been bad for them, because then they weren't getting towards the center objective. Um, the rats were smarter on the right flank, and they just ignored Drycha and, you know, said, run away, and fled towards the middle, uh, trying to get as much distance as they could. Um, those that were near the Tree Lord Ancient just kept running. They realized they couldn't kill him, so they just smashed into Slanesh to try to overwhelm them. And the Ilarial flank, she got shot a, batillion, a bajillion times, uh, stood firm, and took, like, I think seven wounds after all of the shots went through, because uh, the cannons got killed and whatnot, so the real threat was already destroyed. Well, I think that sh it had the War Machines not had to fight war boss on Mark Crusher first and then had to fight Sylvaneth probably would have done better. Yeah, it was that agreed. a Maw Crusher showed up and smashed cannons to pieces and went ha, 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 and then died to Storm Fiends and Doom Wheel and lots of guns. And then you 
<laughs> as soon as the dragon, the Maw Crusher falls to the ground, limp, and all the Skaven are like, yes, yes, we did it. Wow, we have won. Oh, aren't we fantastically genius? We're wonderful. All of a sudden, Ariel shows up with a whole bunch of trees, and they go, ah, fuck. <laughs> fire, fire. <laughs> they did not last. Yeah, they did a bunch of damage, uh, but at the start of her turn, she heals 2d6, and she healed it all. <laughs> like they did a, yeah. a surprising number of damage and then her turn came and she rolled hot on her heel and she healed it all back to full and the rats went oh god and uh every rat for themselves we have to fucking leave <laughs> and <laughs> escape yeah she then charged into them and waylaid them uh the storm fiends took some giant kernoth arrows plus some tree lord attacks and got pulped uh a hero was blasted with mortal wounds the poor little engineer died terribly to the beetle uh and the hamster wheel uh, uh which is the his doom wheel was turned also into a forest um it was metal and lario it was pandemonium is yeah. what it was good god so the left flank for the skaven kind of buckled the right flank pushed towards the middle to get the objective uh up top uh, the orcs were kind of trying to get away from the trees and towards uh, the Hedonites, and the Hedonites were just pushing into the orcs. They ignored the trees entirely. And it was a blender by the bottom of turn two. And then we realized it was 4 a.m. And we were only at the bottom of two. Yes. And uh, we made the collective decision to call it uh, because we were very quickly getting tired. <laughs> Which is a shame. Uh, so we actually didn't get to finish the game. Which, you know, maybe we will revisit later. Um, and start it way earlier. I think we can refine this concept into a much more interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I would speed up deployment a lot. I think the, the trees all over the board was a good rule for making the Sylvaneth an environmental effect. Um... And I did like our, like, big objective in the middle idea. We just gotta, you know, speed it up a little, which I think would be easier to do if we pulled it to a full day. Yeah. If you guys have any ideas of how we could better make that uh, narrative situation more interesting, feel free to let us know. Yeah, we'll happily take them, because uh, we would love to give the orcs an ending to this story, so that uh, Tanner and Corwin may have some conversion ideas, depending on how it goes. And we'd love the ideas. And we do want to thank y'all for letting us do these sort of slightly different hobby progresses and games played. Um, we appreciate it. And uh, it'll give us enough time to get into our places and unpack and get ready and then keep the content coming. Now, on to gaming on a budget. All right, John. More gaming. I guess we'll start with can be a little expensive. Yes. Um, I think, you know, we hear a lot of stuff in the Facebook groups about how, like, oh, it's so expensive. And I don't know if it's that bad. Because I grew up amongst a bunch of car guys who would spend, like, $1,800 on a turbo for their, for their car. And that's one part. Or, and, like, music guys who spend hundreds of dollars on instruments constantly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... 
hundreds on just accessories for instruments, which are yeah. in the instruments themselves, thousands of dollars. Or people who like fishing can be cheap, but then somebody goes and buys an incredibly expensive bass boat and now it's very expensive very quickly. Um, yeah, fishing's really cheap when you're like going to your local pond, but then like everyone eventually goes, Oh, I need a boat. Like eventually yep. it happens. You hear the siren song. Um so like in general, many hobbies are expensive. I would argue this one can be expensive, but I don't think it's as expensive as some people say. I think it's manageable if you go into it with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the key. And that's kind of what we want to break down in this episode, because we have done this, as we mentioned. We've been there. Hell. Long time. <laughs> um, and... I don't want it to act as a obstacle for people because you could still very much so do this hobby and you could maybe even do more of it than you'd expect depending on, uh, you know, what's going into it. And of course, uh, for people out there, you probably know how much you could roughly spend in a month on your hobby. You know, we all got, uh, outside responsibilities, family members, friends, bills, loan payments, mortgages, rent, you know, whole nine yards. And after that, you probably have an idea of how much you have. And I think the key is to know roughly how much you could spend a month on a hobby so that you kind of, you don't overspend. Um, and then with that knowledge, I think the next tips will help you go a long way. Um, but having a frame of reference for yourself of roughly how much you could put into it will help you make decisions as we go through some of our tips. Because uh, really... Uh, if you make the right decisions, that dollar could go further than you'd expect. Absolutely. Like, first, let's take it to sort of the the neutral things. That no matter what you're playing or what game system has you interested, that you're probably going to need. And that's hobby supplies themselves. So we're like talking... the paint brushes, the paint, the medium, the brush cleaner, uh, the basic materials. Yeah, all of that Cases... Stuff. Display cases, magnet trays, you know, all the stuff that make models, paint models, carry models, whole nine yards. And as I'm sure people out there have looked around and have found, this can get pricey quickly. Um, in particular, some brushes can be over 20 bucks a pop, which is asinine. Um, and in bulk, it gets really expensive. Some of the paints are like five bucks for a little paint pot, depending on your brand you're buying. Um, and don't even get me started on like airbrushes and compressors and, uh, carrying cases, which can be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. 3d printers, all of the different things you can get into. Um, I will say this could be an episode on its own. I think each of these segments could be an episode on its own. We're kind of going to give overview. This isn't all of it. If you want more, we can always give you more. These are kind of just like some brief thoughts, some big tips to really help. Yeah. Hopefully. And I think the first one is the most important for this step. And that is, there's going to be a lot of things that you look at and you're like, man, I want to try that. That looks really fun. That looks really interesting. But if you're on a budget that and a set budget, that it is more, the most important thing you can do is to buy only what you need and not what you want. 
Because otherwise, you might end up blowing through your entire budget way quicker than you were expecting. Because you made some impulse buys on some stuff that is admittedly very cool, but maybe won't be what takes you the furthest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that an airbrush is a great investment. I haven't bought one yet, because it's a lot of money to drop down all at once on the hobby. And, you know, that's just how it is. Is an airbrush going to be efficient? Yes. Is the airbrush going to last for a long time if you take care of it? Yes. But is it easier to just get like a $5 or like $6 pack of brushes from the internet and use the paints I already have that I've collected for years and just keep hand painting it even though it takes more time? Yeah. I'm still hobbying. I'm still enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe down the line, if your situation <clears throat> changes, you get a bigger, you know, budget for your hobby. You get more invested. You have a little more room to buy more. That's cool. Get the bigger thing. But if you're gaming on a budget, it is key to just, you know, keep your scope in mind. And also, let's say you are only buying what you need. Okay, great. Smart. That'll help you a lot. But then, I think what's really key is to not buy in bulk. Buy, like, start small. Just get the bare minimum of stuff you need. And then when you go to add to it, add small as well. So what do I mean yeah. by that? I mean, let's say you're just getting into the hobby and you need some brushes, okay? You get a bulk pack of brushes for like 10 bucks. It's got a bunch of brushes in it of all types. Okay, cool. You get just the paints that you need. You get a little thing of brush cleaner and you have a coffee mug to wash your brushes in. All right, awesome. You're ready to go. And then let's say a month later you decide, I kind of want to add to it. Do you necessarily need to go out and buy a detail brush, a dry brush, a, like a medium base brush? Do you need to buy expensive cleaner with it? Do you need to buy a wet palette? Do you need to go buy a whole new range of paints to try out a bunch of stuff? Do you need to buy some colors that you might not necessarily use on the army, but you might want to try for a new scheme on another army? Like, no. Instead, maybe just make small additions. So maybe you realize, all right, I did some base coating. I want to try some dry brushing. Just go out, get yourself one or two dry brushes. You added a little bit to it. You're still growing, but you're not growing at a high rate that's going to eat your budget. And I also think that it's important, like, specifically with, like, paints, right? To pick paints that are going to be very useful throughout, right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't go out and buy, like, 16 different neon colors that you swear you're going to make this entire scheme work around. And just to find out, you also need to paint some metals. You also need to paint some, like, leather bags. Like, pick up stuff you know you're going to use. And I know it's talked about a lot on the internet. Um, shades, like shade paints, like Nolan Oil, Agrasler Shade, that kind of stuff. It's actually really good when you're just starting because if you pick like the color that you want all of it to be and then you shade over a base coat, it looks a lot better if you're on a budget and then go in over that with detail paints over time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have your model completely painted at the beginning. You can do it in stages as you can afford to buy the paints that you want or as you're trying out new stuff or techniques. You can do that while playing, still playing the game. Sure can. Still still perfectly okay. 
Um, I'm not one of those people who goes, you can only play with me if all of your models are painted. Man, people got people got stuff going on. Like, if they're lucky they can come and play the game. I'm lucky I get to play this game with these people. <laughs> it's okay. Like, we're not at a tournament. We're not at, like, this huge narrative event. Like, it's okay. They're your toys. Paint your toys when you want. <laughs> you know, you're painting them as you can. And if people don't understand that, they're shitbirds. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and then... Let's say you're doing those things. Okay, great. Your hobby dollar's going a little further. The next thing that is key that I wish somebody told me before I started is that branded products have an incredible markup on them in this hobby. Yeah. And, oh, no. And not just like by like a few percent. No, 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 no. I'm talking 100 or 200% markup on some of these branded products. And the products might not even be that good. Looking at you, Games Workshop paintbrushes. Oh, God, yes. I bought a bunch of them when I started because I thought like, oh, these are probably the good price. And they're probably very, very good. I bet they're high quality. And I was so terribly wrong. So terribly wrong. It's so easy to walk into a game store and go, I'm going to buy the new two-person box set with my friend. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll use Indominus as an example. Or Dominion. Dominion's the the more recent one. Yeah. Say... I walk in with, with you, Joe, and we buy Dominion. And we've never played this game before. And I and you go, man, I really like these Stormcast good boys. And I go, I really like these mean little bastard orcs. And we pick the two factions we're going to play. And then we go walk over to the paints. And we buy, you know, we look on the back of the box and it says, buy these 12 paints to paint these guys. And I go, oh, I guess i got to buy these 12 paints. And I buy these 12 paints. Oh, well, that's a lot of money. Oh, I need paintbrushes. And you go look at the paintbrushes. Like, oh, I guess I'll buy the GW paintbrushes. They're right there. Because they, they kind of direct you in that way to do that. Um, they're, tr- they're a business that are trying to get you to spend their money on their products. That's why they suggest 12 paints on the, the back of a box to paint <laughs> these. But you don't have to follow that. At all. Paint them however you want. Buy however many paints you want. I've got, like, my Skaven paint scheme takes, like, three, maybe four paints. For a clan rat. Done. Mm-hmm. And you're out the door. Um, yeah. And also, you A, you could use less paints, and B, you could get better brushes for cheaper elsewhere. Yes. You just can. Um, for example, let's say you wanted to get a sort of fine point, uh, what do they call it, the artificer brush from Games Workshop. Uh, that thing is terribly expensive. Uh, I, I can't type on my computer right now, but it's somewhere between like 20 and 50 bucks for a tiny, tiny detail brush. Yeah, it's absurd. You could get a comparable quality, tiny detail brush at your local hobby store, like just general craft store for like five bucks less probably. Yeah. Um, and same thing for like their medium base brush and large base brush. Y'all, those are just like wedge brushes. It's a very common paint tool. Um, If you go to your local hobby store, like craft store, around here, it's Michael's and Hobby Lobby, but uh, (laughs) not a fan of them. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and say, we don't go to Hobby Lobby. We suggest you also don't go to Hobby Lobby. (sighs) Um, Yeah, so I go to Michael's. (laughs) <laughs> who doesn't smart smuggle out artifacts from other countries. Um, 
So you walk to the Michaels, you walk to the paint aisle, and you look around, and there's like three levels. Like the level one is the cheapest quality individual brushes they sell, and then level two is intermediate, and level three is like professional. So let's say you want to buy the best type of wedge brush. So you look at a size, and it's like $2 for a wedge brush that's very, very nice quality. Whereas your GW brushes of low quality are going to be about double that or more. It's insane. And so, you're going to be wanting to go to these stores anyways. Like you do not want to just buy everything that you want for hobbying inside of a game store. It's going to cost you too much money. You're going to get mad. And also just going to be super honest. It won't help you grow as a hobbyist creatively. Going to these art stores and these hobby stores to find out what stuff can you make work for what you're trying to do will make it easier when you try to do bigger projects later that are creatively taxing and you're not limiting yourself to the tools available to you in a game store. Mm -hmm. It's very useful to get used to that concept early on. There's a bigger world out there and uh, you can use it and save a bunch of money doing it. So if you're going to buy brushes and stuff that you need, you can go to your local craft store and you can get some nice individual brushes that do what you want for cheaper and save some money there. And they also have big bundle packs that are super cheap. And I know that you're going to be looking on the line. You're going to be like, man, I need like a sable brush. I bet they're insane. And let me tell you, they are good. If you have the skill to get all of the, te- all of the benefits out of it. But if you're newer, you just aren't. And to be honest, you might not know how to take care of brushes well or use them well yet. You might just ruin it. So look, like my final piece of big advice for hobby supplies is that fancy expensive brushes do not do what you think they do. And they aren't going to help you nearly as much as you probably imagine when you first hop in. You can do an incredible amount of work with cheap bargain bin brushes that don't break your bank. I um, didn't get my first sable brush until like two years ago. Uh, and a really good friend of mine got it for me mm-hmm. for like as a Christmas present. It was very nice. And uh, yeah, I've been painting models well before then. It's nice. I like it, but you don't need it, y'all. You just don't. And I mean, just for reference, uh, there's a professional miniature painter who paints world-class models named Sam Lenz, L-E-N-Z. Check out his YouTube channel. Check out his Instagram. Incredible, gorgeous models. He does it with bulk brush packs, like the $5 Amazon bulk brush packs, and paints world-class models with them. Uh, So really, if you have the skill, those cheap tools go a long way. And if you're hobbying on a budget, it's important to keep that in mind so you don't outspend what you need to. And you can still get the hobby experience. You can still paint your models well and not get kind of suckered into spending your money on the big stuff that you ain't gotta. Which is key to making your stuff go further. So, alright. So you've got some tips on how to make your money go further when you're talking about actual, you know, hobbying supplies. But you're probably thinking, like, alright, but, like, all right, great. I have stuff to paint the models, but how the hell do I afford the models? Some of these things could be pricey. And that's entirely fair. However, there's still some tips you could do there as well, so don't worry. I think first is that 
It's going to depend, how far your dollar will go is going to depend on what game system you play. Would you agree, John? Yes. Yeah, I mean, for example, it is important to keep in mind that some game systems require you to have a lot of models on the table to play. Some yes. of them only require <laughs> that you have a couple on the table. And the ones that require more models are going to be more expensive to play. I mean, we'll use 40K as an example for this anyways. Uh, there is 40K Apocalypse, which is hundreds of models on the table uh, with massive games. And then you've got regular 40K, which is kind of the, mi the middle ground, but it's still quite a bit of models. Like you could still easily have over 100 models on the table. And then we've got Kill Team, which is like 20 tops. Like that's the Horde version is 20, whereas like the smallest amount of models you can put on a table in Kill Team now is like two custodies. Yeah. Um, your game systems are going to vastly differentiate how far your hobby dollar will go. Um, let's say you have like, 50 bucks a month to put towards your hobby and you're playing Malifaux which is a skirmish game where like one gang fights another gang over territory you can buy a full Malifaux gang in a box for 45 bucks in one month's hobby you have bought a full force you're ready to go locked loaded ready to have at it build them paint them you're off to the races um Similar with, like, Infinity. It's a small skirmish game. You buy one or two boxes of minis, you're ready to go. Off to the races. But if you were trying to play a larger game, let's say, like, you're trying to play Age of Sigmar, 50 bucks might get you a single unit of guys. And you're going to need a lot more to get going. And if you really want to still use those models, then maybe pick up a game like Rain and Hell. You know, a miniatures agnostic rule set where you can use any rule, any models you want, so you can just pick up a box of guys you like and use whatever rule set. Like, that's also an option. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, there are minis agnostic games, which means you can bring any minis you have and just use them. And uh, in that case, you could just buy anything that you find that tickles your fancy and is within your budget. And it will help you immensely. So if you're kind of open to multiple game systems, I would steer you towards the smaller ones, because you're just going to be able to play faster. Also, almost every company I know that makes game systems will generally at some point put out a bundle where they're trying to entice you to buy it. Maybe it's a starter set. Maybe it's a holiday bundle. Uh, maybe it's like a two-player starter set that you're meant with split with people. Normally, though, the way that they get you to want to buy these is that they put more models in them than they normally would. And you can get a lot more models less money if you keep your eye out for these so keep an eye on like their that company's twitter their instagram their facebook what have you because if these bundles come out or a discount box comes out you can maybe get your dollar to go further for that time than you would otherwise i mean i've got two examples for this right yeah you got conquest the last argument of kings their two-person starter set i think is selling online right now for I think it's $90 on their website and there's a current like thing that allows you to buy like you get an extra unit for each of the two forces in there for free when you buy the, the starter set yeah incredible um, bargain yeah or like um, a couple years ago Indominus came out for 40k at the release of 9th edition it was a significant amount of models for both 
Necrons and Space Marines. You know, you still sometimes see boxes of them hanging around like game stores. Um, that's how Seth started Necrons and I started the Space Marine Force was because it was so cheap. It was so easy to get into because the value of that box was great. Yeah, if you're on like a $50 a month hobby budget, that's like three months of your hobby budget. But it's also almost a full army for 40k. And almost you could two. split it. Like yeah. the, So you could, if you have another buddy who's in on it and he wants the opposite force, the price of the box cuts in half. Half. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you get a ton of models for very little money. So for example, a lot of places have discounts. Uh, so you're, let's say, you know, you could, you go to a shop that doesn't make you pay full price. Um, so let's say it's like $180 after discount. I don't know. Depends on where you're at, but 180 bucks. And that's a lot of models for $180, but now you're splitting it with a friend. So now you're only paying 90 for a bajillion models. And if you have two months of your $50 hobby budget, you know, saved up because you know it's coming, you can get a whole lot for a lot less really quickly. And that is just immense. And it can help your budget go further. Of course, again, the smaller the game size, the the more your dollar will get you. But generally speaking, just keep an eye out for discounts. There's stuff out there. You just got to, you know, watch them and be ready for if they pop up. And then a third one, which helped me a lot when I was starting... This isn't the same from game system to game system, but generally speaking, you're going to need some books to play tabletop games. Some of them need core rule books, plus like a faction book. Some of them only need uh, like core rules. Some of them have free rules online, but you got to buy individual books, you know, what have you. Just depends. But generally, you can expect that you're going to have to buy some number of books to play a tabletop war game. It's kind of the nature of the beast, right? You don't necessarily have to buy those books brand new. Now, for game systems that only require you to buy one book, that it's not so much an issue, but others require you to buy multiple books at like 40 to 50 bucks a piece, and those add up quickly for price, especially if you're on a budget. Uh, and it can blow out your entire budget in no time if you're not careful. Then you have nothing left for models. But for me, what helped was around here, we have uh, sort of secondhand bookstores. Uh, Half-price books. Yeah. Half-price books. In this area, it's called Half-Price Books. But I'm sure anywhere that you are in the world listening, there's probably a used bookstore somewhere in your area of some type. And if you're canny and you're good at, you know, sifting through a bajillion books, uh, it, you might be able to find some of these books that you need in those stores at a discount. Um, now, obviously, the smaller the game, the less in your area, the less likely it is you'll find books there. But I have found current edition Warhammer books in half price books. And, and I, I scooped them up at a discount and it was a steal. And as a side benefit, uh, every time I go into a half price books, I will check their novel section, their sci-fi novel section. And generally, you end up finding some 40K novels in there, some of which you can't really get easily anymore and you can find them for like two or three bucks and so that's how i've gotten a lot of my 40k like paperback novels yeah you can keep up with the lore that way it's incredibly helpful and also some of these used like secondhand bookstores have online portals where you can like peruse their stock and order it there just ship it straight to your house highly recommend it you can 
I mean, half price books, it's normally half off. So you can cut the price in half if you're able to find the books you need, depending on, you know, what game system you're playing, the faction, how many you need, etc. And that can really make your smaller budget go a long way. And the last one is one that John and I also did for a long time, and it helped us a lot. When you go to play a war game, right, normally you have to have something on the table for your models to move around, climb on top of, hide inside of. Uh, you need hills or forests or trees or buildings or rubble, what have you. You need terrain to put on the table. Well, I guess you don't need it, but it helps a lot instead of fighting on a flat field. And there are places out there where you can buy beautiful sets of terrain. Gorgeous sets of terrain. But they're generally pretty expensive. They just are. And we're here to tell you, you ain't necessarily got to go spend all your money on that. Because <laughs> John and I, for many years, use random crap around the house as terrain. I still use random crap around the house as terrain, but I just try to like turn it into terrain now, too. Yeah. Um, for example... A few years back, we were playing what we refer to as Broke Hammer when we were broke. And uh, I was playing, uh, uh, was I playing Salamanders at the time? I don't remember. We were playing 40k. You were playing Blood Angels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, some, some of the people were playing Chaos and they were trying to corrupt these grain silos. And we were trying to fight them off and stop them from touching the silos. And for the, si for the grain silos, we just put beer cans on the battlefield. Empty That's beer true. cans. I think we and put like some PBR tall boys just like, right there. Boom. We done drank them. <laughs> Might as well use the cans. <laughs> uh, that was terrain. Then sure shit. It was big enough for grain silos. It looked good. Uh, we threw some like little tiny boxes down on the table just from like shipping supplies and whatnot and f old food boxes for buildings. And we had more than enough terrain to play the game. And had a great time. And that cost us exactly bubkiss. And uh, another tip is if you don't want to just use, like, if you want to have something that looks more like terrain, aquariums. Aquarium pet store supplies. Or even in Walmart, they'll have some. You can get cheap little pieces of terrain, especially for, like, skirmish games or fantasy games that look like ruins or, like, weird castle stuff. Big trees. Like, yeah, you can find that stuff and use that. It won't look super great, but you can use it for a while, and then you can use it as a base to make terrain pieces later and all up. Mm-hmm. And it's very budget-friendly. It is. It You could go a long way there. Or you could take the garbage, like the PBR Tall Boys, and you can actually, with some spray paint and a little bit of hobby paint, make them look like grain silos. Absolutely. I mean, you know, pull the pop tabs off the top, uh, put some like little cardboard over the lip hole to cover that up so it looks flush. Um, glue it on, cover it in a primer, hit it with like a metallic dry brush to make it look like it's scratched and whatnot. And all of a sudden, holy cow, that doesn't look like garbage anymore. Uh, it, it looks like a big metal container. Get creative with it. It's great. Like you can just, it, it, one, you get to reuse your trash so it doesn't end up in our oceans. And two... Uh, <laughs> big fan of you that. You get to save a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, you do. You save a ton of money, and the stuff can still look good on your table. And if you are on a budget, this is a 
great place to save money. I mean, some terrain sets are like 200 bucks, and you just got it for zero. Zero dollar. Cannot recommend it enough. I mean, if you do all of this stuff in these the first section about hobby supplies and the models, you can even on a small budget make this game happen in small pieces. You could still play. It's okay. Now, if you're listening to all this, and as we kind of explain some stuff, you're going, man, like, y'all, I only have like a $50 budget, but I still want to play the big Warhammer game. Like, I know you said to do skirmish and whatnot, but I want to play a big Warhammer. Well, all right, pie in the sky, friend. I hear you. I hear you. Fair enough. How can you maybe be able to do that? Now, I want to preface this with it's going to be more difficult. Like, And will be more time consuming. It is. It is. I don't want to... I'm not saying it's impossible or anything. I just want to set expectations before we maybe give a few tips to be able to do that. Because I, I think having your expectations set accurately can help avoid disappointment later. But as we mentioned, th there's still ways to do it. So let, if you want to play the Games Workshop Sphere, try their skirmish games first. See if maybe their skirmish games can scratch your itch. Because the skirmish games still require a, a number of models, but a whole lot less of them. And if you could get the itch scratched from Kill Team or Warcry before having to dive into like the giant colossal games, you could save yourself some money even buying or even paying GW prices. So try that first. And then the next tip that I have is if you if you play the scrimmage games, you said you want to still play the big the bigger game. Um, decide for you how like how dedicated you are to certain factions. Because collecting, say, Guard is a very different premise than collecting Space Marines. Yeah. Um, collecting something like Craft World Eldar is very different from something like Necrons. Uh, especially right now, where you can go get the, the starter sets for Necrons and Space Marines, especially if you split them with somebody, for pretty cheap, uh, for a lot more model. I think you can get, like, it is cheaper to just buy those sets than to buy the individual troop choices that are in them. Mm -hmm. And then you also get extra models, like extra HQ pieces you can use to do conversions and some fun stuff with. That also helps make it an easier choice. I know some people, you know, they're like, well, I only have so much money and I want to play guard. It's going to be real difficult. Um, yeah, if you can find, if your faction has a sort of high value starter set you can split, uh, that's going to go a long way. Uh, same thing if they have a high value sort of like start collecting box or like a bundle. Um, some factions, the start collecting box is really underwhelming and it's not recommended, which is a shame because generally start collecting boxes are nice because they are discount big bundles of models. They cram a whole lot of plastic in there at a cheaper price. Absolutely. But some factions have absolute bangers for start collecting boxes. And if you and if you have a faction that does, it's incredibly helpful. Some you could build your entire army out of just start collecting boxes. Looking at you, Ogre Matras. Yeah, or uh, my wife plays Flesh Eater Quartz. My wife. Her army was just like, all right, I'm buying three start collecting boxes. Let's go. <laughs> and it works. It absolutely does. Uh, and if you have a faction that you can do that, your money will go further, even in the GW sphere. It's still expensive because start collecting boxes are like 95 bucks a piece. 
but you still can do it. Um, and the third piece uh, is that some shops in your area, generally they're not GW stores, they're friendly local gaming stores, might sell GW products at a discount. Uh, or some online retailers might sell GW price uh, stock at a discount. And if you could find one of those places and buy there in addition to the other the other tips, you can get a 15 to 20% discount and save a bunch of money. Uh, especially over how many products you might need to buy for GW. That adds up. It absolutely does. Uh, the other thing I will suggest is eBay is a fantastic place to buy, especially the sets, like the starter sets. Yeah, that was going to be my last piece of advice. Yeah. Like, if you go, like, particularly, like, we'll use uh, the old Dark Imperium set for 8th edition, right? Mm-hmm. For years, there was eBay listings for so many Death Guard models for that. Like, from that set. Because it was just, people would buy the Space Marine half and then sell the Death Guard version online on eBay at a discount. So you could start a Death Guard army for, like, nothing. They Very were, like, little. People were starting Death Guard armies because they are like, I got a spare hundred bucks. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you end up with almost, like, a thousand points of Death Guard in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Like, you could... easy, And people are doing that now with Necrons and Space Marines again because of the new sets. And it's just... It's very easy. Very yeah. fantastic. And they're, they have that for AOS now, too, for Stormcast and Cruel Boys. Oh, yeah. Used all over the place. And also, not just... I recommend eBay, not just for, like, halves of starter boxes, but you could find people selling big bundles, like big lots of used models that they had and maybe they're not into anymore. And you could find them at incredible prices. Now, I will warn you, they might need some elbow grease. They might not be fully... They're probably not fully painted. They might need some repairs. They might only be half built. But if you're willing to put in some work... You can save a metric butt-ton of money on GW products buying used. And uh, that's actually how I did it in college when I was broke as a joke. I saved up and I bought, I think it was like a $120 Seraphon lot that came with a massive cornucopia of uh, Lizardmen models from over the years. And some of them needed some work, but I could put an army on the table and... Less than $150. Just because somebody was getting out of the hobby and I happened to be at the right place at the right time and scooped up a deal. And I, when I went to sell that, like I did a bunch of work on it to fix it up and then I sold it off. I made a killing when I sold it. I actually made profit on that army. Um, yeah, if you're clever and you're diligent and you're keeping an eye on eBay, you can really save a bunch of money for your faction. You just gotta be smart. You know, there's an art to that. Um, we, I think everybody who's used eBay has been outbid at the last minute. You know, you might have to be a little savvy, but it'll help. And there are also, in addition to eBay, similarly, there are Facebook groups entirely dedicated to buying, selling, and trading Warhammer models. And if you can Absolutely. get into one, whoo-wee, there are some incredible deals on there. I mean, John, you've seen some, right? Uh, I've not just seen some. I've profited off some. Way back in the day, 
I used to play Necrons back in like 6th or 7th edition, mm-hmm. and I was able to get like 4,000 points of Necrons for like 200 bucks. Um, I just had to do a bunch of work to them. I had, did the same thing with Orcs, where I got like 5,000 points worth of Orcs towards the end of like the end of 6th edition, beginning of 7th edition for like $300, something like mm-hmm. that. And then I just used a bunch of the bits that came with it to convert up another like two or three hundred points with the models. Yeah. Um, if you're diligent, much like eBay, you can get incredible deals and make your money go further. Um, you know, it's one of those things though, you just gotta stay on it. So that if a deal does pop up, you're ready to jump on it immediately. And if you do all of that, e- even on a budget, you might be able to play games workshop games. It might take you a little while because you're either buying little pieces at a time or because you're waiting on the right deal. But if you're patient, you can make it happen. Uh, and I do. I know it sounds like it's a lot of work, but if it's something you really want to do, I promise you it'll be fun even doing it along the way. I mean, hell, I did it. And it was even being diligent and keeping an eye on the groups was fun to do. However... I'm sure there are ideas in here that we missed and that we might not have talked about. Uh, And as John mentioned, I mean, some of these topics could be episodes on their own. So if there was something that we, you think we missed, let us know. We'd be more than happy to add it to our repertoire. Or if maybe you've got a particular challenge or situation that you're not sure how to work around, feel free to reach out to us on uh, social media. You know, we've talked to viewers and if you have a particular issue, happy to help you try to solve it because let's be honest this hobby is more fun the more people that we get into it so if however we can help y'all do that happy to to make that way your dollars might go a little further also as always if you like the show leave us a rating depending on where you're listening to us or a like helps a lot uh, on the youtube platform so that maybe we can help this get around to uh, some other folks add some more listeners to the podcast and if you really want to be a champion, send it to your friends. You know, there are, unfortunately, a lot of people who don't have a ton of disposable hobby dollars. And maybe the video might be able to help them save a little cash, just like it might help you. And if it's somebody who you play with, maybe that means you get to play against some more models all at once. And if you've got some ideas for us that we didn't talk about, feel free to ask them our way. Or if you one of these specific topics was something you're much more interested in us going in depth, just let us know. We'll make an episode. Happy to. We really kind of push the show in a direction of whatever you guys want to like hear is what we're going to make. We're not massive. We're not huge. We're not making money off this. We're just wanting to make content for y'all. And we want to know what content you want to hear about. As always, inboxes are open. And for now, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all on the next episode.